Hello and welcome to the Essendon People Podcast, an unofficial Essendon Football Club supporter podcast. Hosted by Brendan and Mark, Essendon People is a podcast for those who live and breathe Aussie rules and the Mighty Bombers. From the casual fan to the hardcore supporter, if you have the red and black in your heart, then Essendon People is the podcast for you. Thank you for joining us. Let's Let's start start the pod. pod. Welcome to episode three, which is the 2020 draft recap. So in this episode, we're going to discuss the national draft, the preseason draft, and the rookie draft. Uh, so Brendan, how did you see our, our draft period generally? I thought it was, uh, it was a pretty strong uh, period for us. We clearly identified key position players as a need. And uh, obviously with uh, Tom Bell Chambers retiring, Joe Danaher uh, traded to Brisbane and then obviously Carl Hooker and Michael Hurley getting a bit older. So um, bringing in some guys that can replace those, maybe not immediately, but I know with Hooker and Hurley, they've got a year or so left to kind of transition those guys into the side. So I think it was um, it was a, a draft that might not see any immediate returns, but it's definitely set the club up for the next decade there. Yeah, I think you're right. It's going to take. It's probably going to take a few years to realise, but it was, there was a definite theme of key position and tall timber, if you want to call it, yeah. uh, going for those type of players. So maybe we'll launch into the national draft. So going into the draft, uh, we had three first round picks, as everyone was sort of pretty familiar with by the end there. So at, at the time of going into it, it was pick six, seven, and eight. We didn't have a second round pick um, in this draft. We had pick 44 in the third round, pick 77 in the fourth round, picks 85 and 87 in the fifth round, and pick 99 in the sixth round. So um, do you want to maybe just talk about, we'll start with how the academy bidding sort of pushed out those numbers. So everyone was familiar with six, seven, and eight going in, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're the picks that you'll end up with by the time it comes to your turn. Do we want to just talk about that a bit? Yeah. So... Um... As you said, going into the draft, we had picks six, seven, and eight, and we ended up taking picks uh, eight, nine, and ten. The reason for that is the uh, bidding. So at pick one, as people would be aware, the Western Bulldogs got a a player called Jamara Hagen. So Crows had the first pick. They bidded on him, so they said, we wanted to take uh, Hagen because the Dogs had access to him through the Next Generation Academy. They could match via a number of other picks. And Ugo Hagen, he grew up an Essendon supporter, so uh, unfortunately that doesn't help us in the draft, but but interesting little fact, fun fact for everyone. Big key forward, very athletic. I know lots of people um, talk about the comparison is Buddy Franklin, so uh, all Essendon supporters know how much uh, Buddy's love dining out on us uh, during the year, so it would have been nice to have one back. Broken our heart a few times. Yeah, so... um, yeah, so he, he's, a very, look, he's a very good player. Um, so Essendon support us and maybe down the track, the Doro can whisper sweet nothings in his ear and uh, get him across. Um, but uh, yeah, so he went at one. So that pushed all our picks back one spot. And then Hawthorne bidded on a Sydney Academy player called Braden Campbell, who's a smaller midfielder, uh, quick uh Beautiful foot skills. It won a, a really good kick. So, and then Sydney matched that pick. So that ended up pushing our spot back another pick. So two spots so that we ended up where we were. 
Okay, well, it pretty much wraps up, sort of the, explains, I guess, the theory behind the pick numbers and how they might change, um, I guess, in a live sense throughout the draft. So yeah. maybe just before we go into our picks, um, it, it's uh, we should pay some credit, I guess, to some of the resources that we used in uh, preparing some of the notes for this, um, this show and also when we were just watching the draft ourselves from a personal point of view. Yeah, so um, obviously with... There's been no football in Victoria this year, so a lot of stuff's been uh, from previous years, and obviously we're just we're not involved in the football industry, so we use re- Fox Footy uh, newspapers, all type of thing. But I know a website that you and I have been frequenters of for a number of years now is uh, Aussie Rules Draft Central, and they are this is the second year they've put out their draft guide. They had one last year, and this year as well, and it's um. It's one of the best resources uh, going around. So it was like 140 pages. So that that guide, that 140 page guide, yeah. did you, um, you you purchase that online or is it free? Or no, it was free. So free. you sign up and then um, you say, are you interested? And you, you put your email details in and they, it, in my case, just get an email, here's your draft guide, log in, open it up. So um, look, they might, that might, may cost something in the future, but uh, I'm not sure what their, what their business strategies for that but even if you did i'd i'd happily pay some coin for that because it's a great resource um they've they've just created their own youtube channel as well so you know this is not a plug for them but we're not anyway linked to them but i want to give you know pump up to people i think do good work and so that's it so you know they're going to inform our view but again we've like everybody else just watched a two-minute highlight clip but and, um, yeah, well, it's good stuff. No, definitely credit where it's due for those guys. Um, so if we now go into pick eight, our first pick in the draft, like you said, after those academy um, picks push back the, the numbers slightly. But so pick eight, uh, Nicholas Cox. So 200 centimetre, 87 kilo, uh, utility position player, I guess you'd call, key forward, key defender. There's been some chat about that he could even play on a wing. Uh, Victorian boy from the Northern Knights, playing the Vic Metro side as well. Um, that was our our first our first one that we pulled out in the draft. Yeah, yeah, he's a. I think his father Daryl was a, was an AFL player. I think played for for Fitzroy. He might have even gone up to the Brisbane there. Um, he's like you said, very tall, a bit skinny. Um, he's a very good kick, and he's very um, dual size left right foot, very um very highly skilled player, especially for someone. Of 200 centimetres. He's got great endurance and obviously his versatility can play multiple positions there. Just with his with his dual side kicking, I guess. Um, I can't remember who it was on Fox Footy on the night. Um, I can't remember the, the guy's name is involved in all the in all the young kids coming through, but he was saying that when he first watched him, uh, he actually couldn't pick what yeah. what natural foot he was because he was he was pretty fluent on both sides. So that's, yeah. Nice to have someone with that sort of ability. Yeah, so I think, yeah, obviously, you know, we want to talk about the positives there because, you know, but, you know, if you look at how skinny he is, he's going to take some time, right? He's not going to, you know, he's not going to be able to play on Charlie Dixon or Tom Hawkins straight away, you know? He's probably a bit different to the guys like Tilthorpe or McDonald in the draft who are playing against men already and have that year under their belt from state league. So he's... He's yeah got a got a bit of physical developing to do. Put on a bit of 
mass, bit of yeah. bit of muscle. Well, that uh, before he can sort of go toe to toe with the big guys. That's definitely their advantage. There, they they had the year of football, so they're a year ahead just on their development. But also, that year of football was played against men. Right? So you can tell they're they're a bit heavier, they're a bit more defined in the body. So that's something to do. And I think when you're so good at multiple things, a weakness is you don't have a settled position. So I think that his best position is probably as a defender. Uh, but I think in our side, and we'll talk about this maybe a bit later, um, we've got, we're well stocked for key defenders. So with his versatility, you probably think he starts forward and then maybe goes back if needed. There was some footage of him on the highlights of him leading out um, from, you know, deep inside 50, leading out and taking it out on the on the lead. So he's definitely played a bit of key yeah. forward and, and has that has a bit of that experience at the at the junior level. Yeah, um, so definitely I think he's pace off the mark. I think he runs a two minute two nine five seconds for twenty meter sprint, which is that's just you kind of burst you know, off the on a lead. Good takeoff for a two hundred centimeter. Kind of get a yeah. bit of space on his defender and then with his long arms market. And being a dual sided player, it can kind of have a shot at goal. I know we always talk about a young Michael Hurley being able to that big bomb against uh, Hawthorne and uh, on the left foot there. So um, uh, having a uh, having a bloke that can kick it from sixty on either feet is a uh, pretty handy. Yeah. So we had to. We obviously don't know. We haven't seen these guys play at any you know uh, senior kind of level. So we're we're sort of going by some stats and some junior highlights. If we had to ask for a player comparison. For, for someone to have uh, something to think about in their mind, who who would we pick as a as a kind of comparison that we're looking at at the moment as to who we might play like or or set up like? Oh, okay, well uh, we talked about this before. When you do, whenever you do uh, player comparisons, you never ever say a guy that's no good. It's always like oh yeah, he can play as like a Bontempelli or a, you know Scott Pendlebury type thing. Uh, so well, we've gone with. Uh, with Darcy Moore, obviously all Australian, uh, so Very good pretty player. handy player. Yeah. Uh, I I think we we think Darcy because he's similar height. Darcy's really good athletically. He started forward, moved back. You know, could play in the ruck if needed. Can play a good shutdown role while still hurting, being, hurting you on the rebound. Being athletic, his kicking is is good. Similar to similar to Cox there. Um, I think. If he's played as as a defender, I think um, Darcy Moore is a good comparison. If he played on a wing, I think maybe if you if we think back a bit in time, someone I might Justin Westoff was a player that just retired from Port Adelaide. He had a very good career, kind of floating forward, pinched hit in the ruck, that type of thing. But I think if you think back in the day, I think uh, Jared Waite when he was at Carlton, I can't remember he had that year on the wing and he was just involved yeah, in everything. He did, yeah. So maybe. Um, Maybe something like that, but um, yeah. Well, yeah. If he's, if he's uh, yeah, got got any traits like Darcy Moore, then he's heading in the right in the right area. So that that'd be good. Um, and what have we got? What's what did Dodoro? Dodoro is obviously the man who sort of called the shots on a night like that. So what was Dodoro saying about him here? Who's after you know picking up a player like that? He also um, gives some comments. I think I think the key one was that because of the lack of football this year. And the lack of him being a central position, I think the quote was, uh, "They don't really know what his his ceiling is." So um, the fact that he's got 
such an amazing engine and he kicks well on both feet. He could, you know, could play key position, but he also is not a lumberer, so he could play on a flank, especially while he develops his body or on a wing. So I think there's a lot of versatility there and, you know, he could maybe play early in a role to get some AFL experience, pick up the pace of the game, but he's not going... That's going to be his role for the for the future for yeah. his career. So it sounds like there's going to be a bit of uh, development and, and working out what where he plays his best footy at yeah. that level. And I think with the guys we've brought in, so like Peter Wright, James Stewart, we've still got Hooker and Hurley down the other end. There's enough time for someone like that to play in the VFL, develop their game, get ready to play against men. Yeah, so if, if as long as if those other guys that are already established can can stay healthy and stay fit, yeah, um, stay in some form, then realistically we don't want to rush someone like Cox in and um, throw him into the fire. No, I agree. Yeah. Um, all right, well that takes us to our next pick, pick nine. So this guy, this is this was a pretty exciting one. I know both uh, you and me were both very excited when this name was read out. So at pick nine we took Archie Perkins. Um, it's just a football name, isn't it? It sounds like a. <laughs> yeah. it, it just if you've got a name, if you had to pick from a name that sounds like a footy player, uh, Archie Perkins is pretty well up there. I would have thought that's so. Uh, that's a good start, but that doesn't that doesn't get us too far. But uh, so we'll kind of read out a little bit about Archie. So, hundred and eighty eight centimeters, seventy nine kilos, midfielder slash forward uh, from the Sandringham Dragons. So another another Victorian boy also played some Vic Metro. Um, so. Good size midfielder. We've got obviously our current team has some sort of, I guess you'd call them smaller mids, yeah. um, who are sort of probably sub one eighty five. Uh, he's sort of edging towards one ninety at one eighty eight now. So good size, good size body to to run through the mid or or uh, rotate through mid forward. Yeah, and you know I think he's grown a couple of centimeters this year, so he's potentially he might grow again. He's only seventeen eighteen, so he could nudge the. The one ninety centimeter mark. Uh, it's obviously got to put a put a bit of weight on. I think the lack of football this year means that a lot of these guys haven't been able to get into the gym, develop. They haven't put on as much muscle as they would have in a normal year. Um, I think, like you said, he plays mid forward. I think at the at this point of his career, he's probably more a flanker, a forward flanker who kind of pinches hits in the middle. But if he had played football this year in the NAB league, maybe. He plays all year as a midfielder and, you know, we're not saying... We're saying that's his spot. But I think that's definitely where they're looking long-term. And that, that model's been done in the past. Like, I mean, we took, you know, pick one back in, I think it was 2016, Andy McGrath, and we sat him in a back pocket for a couple of years to sort of learn his trade and... and um, they moved him to a wing. And they moved him to a ball, wing and yeah. then onto the ball and sort of he had a, had a pretty solid year this year, so... I I'm I wouldn't be disappointed, you know. I, I can't see that we'd be throwing Archie Perkins in the middle in the guts on yeah. uh, on Anzac Day next year. Like <laughs> it's probably need to give him a chance to 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 get the speed of the game and to That's and right. to sort of learn to play uh, at that level. But so. he he certainly, if he filled out and became a midfielder, he's an exciting prospect. He's very athletic. He's got a good burst of pace. Like those first few steps are, is really strong. Um, He's, he's attacking, obviously, being a forward. He kind of knows where the goals are. From the footage that I've seen, he's a yeah, one-touch player. Like, he kind of can sum it up and get the ball moving, which is which is really good, I think. And he's 
he's just on the I guess rolling from that attacking um, that attacking kind of thing that he has. His scoreboard impact kind of kind of shows that too, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I think in his in his twenty nineteen NAB league thing, he averaged just under six score involvements a game, and that's that's pretty good considering. He's an underage player, so he's a 16, 17-year-old, and he played for the Sandra Ham Dragons. So that's a lot of um, a lot of strong players in that area. So, so and I guess that just talking about that, that he that, that they were his stats in twenty nineteen when he was an underage player. That probably leads us into we've just spoken about some of his strengths. If there's a potential weakness or something that might have already occurred, that that maybe. Is it, it could it could be either side. So, given that he missed out due to COVID this year on having a full year, as you know, kind of the with those other players now drafted out of out of the system and that, he might have either exploded this year and potentially put his name right up and truly up there uh, because of the way he played this year. Yeah. Or it might have showed that he didn't he didn't go any further than what he did last year. And we'll never know. So yeah. so I guess we've taken. We've taken a not a gamble, but we've obviously taken him based on what we know from his stats that he was able to for the game that he was able to play yeah. uh, up to that point in time. But um, who knows whether he would have exploded this year in his nab year, or or whether it would have been more of the same or That's whatever. It. It's it's an it's an unknown. So we're going to have to just wait and see, I guess. Yeah, and I think I think there's a lot of focus on guys in their eighteenth year to get them drafted. So those guys get more midfield minutes. And the guys who are a year younger, they play on a flank or on a wing or something like that. So those stats we said earlier, they're from him playing as a flanker because he didn't really get as much midfield time because he had the guys like Matt Rowell, Noah Anderson, Will Phillips who went pick three to North Melbourne. They were all playing midfield. Yeah. Whereas that, that's a good those point. guys aren't going to be there. So he comes in, he gets more midfield minutes. So. That's a good point. In his 2019 year, he's playing yeah, the midfield of Raoul, Anderson, Phillips. Like There's some pretty handy names um, mm. that were in there. So, well, uh, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, if we had to pick a player again to compare him to, uh, I guess kind of preempt, preemptive uh, kind of method of doing it, but um, who would we compare him to? What sort of player are we hoping that he kind of resembles I think a lot of people have said um, Christian Petrarca I think I can see why they would say that but, but I think Christian he was more physically developed when he came in he was that big bodied guy who was really built strongly kind of already a man you know type thing he just needed to work on his fitness but I think Archie's a bit bit leaner than that so I think a guy that I've kind of looked at and seen is kind of you know Xavier Dersma at Port Adelaide was also kind of like that, you know, 186, 188 kind of forward who's now pushed into the middle. So if people don't know who Xavier is, he's the guy that does the old bow and arrow, the old tries to rip off uh, shotgun so, Mark Williams. Uh, not, not short on self-confidence. Yeah, so uh, after he kicks a goal. But, you know, st- Dersma started on a flank and he's now starting to work his way into that midfield rotation at... Port Adelaide, and I can kind of see a similar trajectory for for Archie there. Cool. Well, yeah, we can progress the way that Dersma has in the last couple of years. We'd be we'd be ecstatic with that. I would have thought yeah. so. That would be that would be a good result. So again, I guess Dodoro, the man who's chosen him or taken him with his team of uh, recruiters. Uh, what have we got Dodoro saying about 
about Archie. So he's uh, probably the main one is that he said that he's got a real X factor about him and that he could potentially step up even next year and play some senior footy. So I think that's the thing that most excited us when his name was read out, just that this is a guy that, that does potentially have a bit of something about him that, you know, he's not just a... Um, it's a point of difference player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not just your your sort of typical, you know, blue-collar worker guy that gets the job done. We want... we want we, Although we do need those guys and we want those guys, we, it is nice if we do somehow land on a guy who does have something a bit special yeah. about him. So hopefully hopefully Archie's that man, I guess. I, I guess he, long-term, he I don't think he's going to play this role, but we've had Orazio Fantasia leave the club as that real spark, high-energy half-forward uh, who can kind of push a little, bit of minutes in the midfield. And, and so I think maybe that's maybe the role Archie plays initially if we're just going to give him a bit of a taste. But like we said with Nick Cox before, I'd like him to develop in the in the VFL you know I think we we spoke off air there about how we did when Kyle Langford came in we identified we played him a bit as a flanker but then we we went back to the VFL to play as a mid because that's where we viewed him that's his best position and now Kyle's well top four the BNF this year so maybe if that's something we're going to do with um with Archie it's uh, not a bad idea just developing him in the role we think he's going to be yeah, hopefully, hopefully, uh, can play footy as good as his name suggests. Kind of at a glance. Um, all right, well that takes us into pick ten. So pick ten, we we're also pretty excited about. So Zach Reed, um, monster of a kid, two hundred and two centimeters, eighty three kilos. Uh, again, listed probably as a utility key defender, key forward, pinch it in the ruck. Uh, Victorian boy again from the Gippsland Power. Um, that produced some good players over the years. So this guy. Again, with the same sort of theme as, as what Cox was, big key defender. I think we see him probably as a key defender yeah, more than yeah. anything. I think, I think a lot of these tall kids, you want to have a lot of things going for you. So they play you in multiple positions to get you drafted. You can say, I'm going to do that. Whereas, whereas someone like Cox, he could play either end. Reed could do that too. But I think Reed, when you watch him play, he looks like a key defender. He looks like a centre-half back that you can just plug in once he's physically ready and he's going to play that way really well for a long period of time. Yeah, exactly right. So he's kind of what you'd expect from a big man. One of his strengths is obviously vertical leap. He, he showed some good results in that. He's kicking, he's intercept marking and reading of the play uh, in, in his in his league games, calmness, composure under pressure, those sorts of things. So he's got some he's got some pretty good things going Ideal for him, for a key defender, which suit yeah. a key defender. Uh, which is what you want. And then you've probably touched on, you know, if we had to list something that was a weakness, you've probably already touched on it, that, again, bigger guy probably needs a bit longer to develop his body, build a bit of muscle. Um, you know, we're gonna we're, we're putting him up for a role that's going to be playing on one-on-one on some big some big key forwards that you've got to wrestle with. So where if that's if that's a weakness, then, then that's what it is for now. But it's not... It's, not so much a weakness. It's just something that needs development. Just get him in the gym, get him some uh, experience going one-on-one with guys at training and in pracky games and then in BFL games. Um, that's just going to take some time to develop. Yeah. So I think I think we both agree. The King Twins, they're, the, they're that future type forward, that really 200-centimetre athletic guys who can run but also strong enough to hold up the pack. Jamara Hagen was another key forward. Was taking the chair. Zach Reed's the guy that plays on and beats those guys. Uh, 
So that's what we'd be looking in for them to be. He's the guy that we go, okay, you're playing on this big key forward that's very athletic and can run, and you're going to beat him in the air, and you're going to be smart enough to position yourself to drop the ball in or to spoil it or to allow a third man up to come help you and kind of clear the zone. So I think a guy that, uh, that I think he plays like is Harris Andrews. Obviously, again, good player, all Australian. Uh, I think you know, with Cox, we said maybe maybe Darcy Moore, maybe this. And I actually do think that's a really good comparison, Harris Andrews. The taller type, Harris is 200 centimetres. He can kind of zone off and, you know, when he's, when he's on, he, he just looks like we've got to kick the ball away from Harris Andrews. Probably almost a bit... Um, those type of guys, I feel like a way to describe them would be that they've got, they've got a bit of old-fashioned defender, you know, be able to shut down a guy, punch the ball away, um, you know, cause some real headaches for you going inside 50. But they've also probably got a touch of the, a touch of the new age, you know, good vertical leap, intercept mark, you know, good kicking efficiency the other way. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that's probably co- kind of how I would describe it anyway if I was trying to roughly put together the, the type of key defender. Yeah, so yeah, k- kicking's a good one there. I mean, you know, he's, um, he's quite, a good, quite a good kick there for, for someone so tall. And, you know, he would have been the number one key defender at Gippsland Power and at Vic Country. So we talked before about Hugo Hagen, Tilthorpe, McDonald. You know, he would have played on those guys. So this is so, this is the guy that plays on those so guys. So if we had had a state carnival, for instance, if he had played on all those three and he beats them, right, well, then he's probably not available to pick 10. He's probably going pick three. <laughs> yeah. So well, I think I think out of all three of, of those early picks, Zach's the one that I personally, off watching two-minute highlight clips, <laughs> uh, uh, is the most excited about, about potentially what he could... Could become well, and with the we mentioned it earlier in the show, but with you know Hooker and Hurley sort of coming to the twilight of their careers, I, I think Hooker probably this year might be his last, and Hurley will probably be next year. I would have thought this is the guy that we need to start bringing in with some of the other guys we've already got, like a Zerk Thatcher and those type of players. This is the guy that we're looking to bring in to be to be the next generation of key defender. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, so maybe we just touch on. Um, we might touch on a couple of quotes. So Dodoro, um, Dodoro again, a pretty basic one summed it up. He said he was the best player available. And I think that goes back to what we were saying as, you know, all these key forwards like Tilthorpe, McDonald, Ugal Hagen all went early in the draft. If you're looking for the key defender, this guy and maybe Granger Barras who went just before him, they, they were the best players available for that kind of role. So I think... I don't think the club could have done any better than, than go and get the best available uh, key defender, big key defender. Yeah, and he seems like a real... We talk about how he's composed, but he's also competitive. Like, he wants to win. I know there was a great little like five-second clip of him and he and Reid himself said, I can't wait to get into it and start winning games for the club. And he kind of, he kind of comes across as a guy that he wants to work hard and he wants to wants to win. And when he said that, that uh, like you said, it was it was a five second clip. But when he actually said those words, he just looked straight down the barrel of the camera, and you felt like you spoke straight to your heart. Yeah. From it. So, so what's it was, um, uh, it was something to get excited about that that there's someone who um who kind of 
come out straight away and say that you know use those types of words. I, I think I think I sent you a message when with the clip and I said, "Make this guy captain now." <laughs> uh, so uh, a bit over the top, but um, yeah, guys that want to win games is always sometimes you don't. Not everyone has that. So to get someone who's going to be really competitive and playing a key position role, it's uh, it's really important. Yeah, that'd be huge if he's a, a big competitive beast like that. He's um he's got. A, Got a massive step already in the right direction. So that was our round one selections, which were highly talked about um, leading up to the draft. That leads us into round two. So in round two, pick 39, we picked up Josh Eyre, which a lot of people were probably familiar with because he was an Essendon Academy, uh, Next Generation Academy player. So another big boy, 199 centimetres, 85 kilos, uh, listed as a utility again, key forward, key defender, wing even um, from the Calder Cannons, uh, Vic Metro. Uh, I think more so, you know, there's listed as a bit of everything. Like you said, they play guys a bit of everywhere to 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 give them the most exposure to get drafted. But I think Josh Air, this guy is a key forward. I I, I agree. I think he played. He, I think it was so Harrison Jones played who we picked up. Last year, he played with him a bit at Calder there. But again, being a, a junior player, didn't really get the the main role as the key position forward. And that's kind of what he would have played this year. Um, but yeah, I think he's very exciting. He's very athletic. He's quick. He's got a big jump. He takes a mark out in front. So he's going to be a guy... Like, he would have played for Vic Metro this year. He would have played alongside... Eugle Hagen, and they would have been the one-two key forward combination. And his he's athleticism and what you just mentioned, some of those traits, that's what he tested well in. I think that's what attracted a lot of attention from clubs in the last month or two. He went to the to the combine and had some really good test results yeah. um, across a number, of different, uh, a number of different tests. So he really started to attract a lot of interest just on how well uh, he was testing in those athletic attributes. Yeah, especially when he hasn't played any football this year because of COVID. And then last year, what he did play, like I said, he was kind of behind someone like a Harrison Jones, maybe had a little bit of injury, so you couldn't see everything there. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, this guy comes in, dominates testing, not just 20-metre sprint, but vertical leap, you know, He's the one thing that he that he has having his thing is his marking. So all of a sudden, you know a guy's a strong mark, but then this guy's quick off a lead, can take it in the air, and plays key forward. And you're like, oh wow! And you know, we talk about you know maybe skip a little bit forward here. We talk about a player that he's like, of you know, a big step up. But I've kind of gone with Nick Revolt. So. If you remember when Nick Nick was taking pick one in two thousand, so obviously a bit different there. But Nick, his athleticism at that time was just about his his height, his ability to run. He got good hands. So and guys yeah. like that, if they like, it, it it sounds like Josh Air. Obviously, you know during COVID, wasn't able to train with his team and wasn't able to play games and stuff like that. But it sounds like. He was the sort of guy who was motivated enough to go away, do the work himself, get his athleticism, his fitness and everything up. So if if that's the indication of, of kind of how he applies himself, then that comparison is probably, probably pretty relevant. You know, we're not necessarily saying that that's exactly how he's going to play his football, but yeah. if he's the sort of bloke who's going to apply himself like that, 
so that he can run up and down and blow up his opponent. Yeah. That, that's the kind of thing we're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think so. I think we've mentioned Harrison Jones a, a few times here. I think they're probably the natural key forward, full forward, centre half forward combination. And then we talked about, you know, someone like Nick Cox. He maybe starts forward, floats to a wing or something like that. But I think, you know, we've all people listening to this are Essendon fans, and everyone knows Lloyd and Lucas. That combination, how well they work together as a pure full forward, centre-half forward rotation. That's kind of what I, I think they're hoping Josh Air and um, Jones. Harrison Jones become. Yeah, if you can get a bit of a forward duo or a back duo or whatever going, that's that's a huge thing. Uh, you know, history shows that those combinations are really important to, yeah. your, to your team structure. Um, he did, like we said, he attracted a bit of interest. So he actually got bid on by another club by Richmond at pick 39 and we didn't we weren't due to have our pick um until 42 which was our initial 44 but uh it obviously got shifted around a bit with some of the academy bidding so he attracted a bid from another club we then had the option on whether we matched it or whether we let him go to Richmond um so do you want to just talk us through what happened at that point in time yeah so as you said in order to match the bid we would have had to have given up pick 42 and pick 93 and we would have got air and pick 61 in return. So uh, I think we were always going to take him. It's too exciting not to take. I think we would have ideally liked him to kind of slip those few extra picks. And he was that exact big key forward that we were looking to kind of bring in a bit of stock of those type of players at the time as well. Yeah, so I think what, what we ended up doing is we ended up doing a trade with the Brisbane Lions. So we traded pick 42 to Brisbane and Brisbane gave us pick 49 and pick 50 back. And that allowed us to match the points, but also meant that we didn't go into deficit next year. So I think that was something really important because then and next year's picks aren't affected. So I think that's a really smart pick by us. Um, I think like Cox and Reed. Physical development, you know, he's only he's only a slight guy. So playing against men at an open age level, it might be a thing. And then again, because he hasn't played this year, we don't know what he's as a key forward how much ball he's going to win. You know, so the only other one I'd add to that as maybe a bit of a as a potential negative or weakness is just I'm not sure how much footy he's played over a four or five year period. I think he had some issues. I uh, don't quote me, but I think it might have been with his knees or something when he was growing quite a bit. Like he's obviously a very tall boy, and when he was growing quite a bit, he uh, I think had some issues with his something to do with his leg or his knees and stuff. So I think he missed potentially a couple of years of footy, played another year, maybe missed one. So I think in the last four or five years, he maybe played something like two seasons. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so there's maybe something there to be um, maybe just mindful of, I guess. But hopefully, hopefully not an issue and just a trait of growing so quickly. Um, as a young as a young kid, uh, and then I think just to wrap up on Josh here, something that something that Dodoro said, which pretty much it mirrors what you just said, is that he was too excited to let go, and that when he was bidded on, it was incumbent on the on the club to get him to Essendon. So that was some pretty strong words, which were nice to hear that they that they were backing him in already. That probably takes us uh, now to round three. So before we go to who our next pick was, we might just touch on someone who we tried to get but didn't. So we won't spend too long on it because they obviously didn't make it to the club. But um, at pick 50, we put a bid on a Fremantle Academy player um, 
Brandon Walker, who's a 183-centimetre, 75-kilo medium defender. Um, so I think as soon as I heard that bid come on, I think I saw where that was coming from, you know, with the loss of McKenna and with the loss of Saad. Uh, I think we were trying to stock up a little bit there if they, uh, if Frio weren't, weren't keen to match the bid at that point. So um, would you agree that that was probably where we were heading with that one? Yeah, I do. So uh, Walker, his key attributes are his pace his, and his clean hands and kind of his rebounding. So, like, you know, a lot of the game these days, that rebound off halfback is really important. That's kind of what he's going. He's probably not as great defensively. So I, um, but you know, he's only a young guy that can that can grow. But I get agree that he's someone that we definitely need to look at. We brought in Nick Hine, who's probably again not so great defensively, but he has that attacking attributes that we've um, we've lost. So that was obviously I think was a smart pick to bid on, and Fremantle. Happily matched, so they matched pretty quickly. Didn't so they? I think they, that's an indication yeah. that he's a good player. Yeah. I think if they match, if they match a bid, they go, okay, he's a good enough player that he gets recognition from another club. Yeah, they so, shut us down, shut us down fairly quickly on that one. So that was that was that one that was that little foray done, and then we went to pick fifty one. Um, so we put on another bid on a uh, on a father son who we could have had access to through our academy. He had, he had access to a few different clubs, but uh, Morris Rioli Jr., so 173-centimetre, small forward, um, obviously part of the Rioli family, famous Indigenous football family. So um, he had the option of also electing to uh, nominate himself for Freo or through our academy to Essendon. He chose Richmond at the time, um, has a connection to Daniel Rioli, his cousin, who plays there as well. Um, so we popped a bid on him at, at 51, and from memory, that was matched pretty quickly by Richmond as well. Yeah, so obviously Morris Rioli Jr. is the son of Morris Rioli, who was the uh, star centerman for over in Perth and at Richmond, uh, was the first player to win a Norm Smith in a losing grand final. Uh, Morris there, so was a very good player, and obviously his son shows a bit of talent as well. Um he is, I think, maybe maybe a lazy comparison, but we'll go with a with a family member of his. I think Cyril Rioli is someone kind of plays like that real pressure forward who's quite dangerous, like doesn't need a lot of possessions, but when he's in the area, you're worried, you know, where he's about because he's a tackling machine, he's quick, he's elusive. When he gets the ball, he can kick a snap goal. Um, obviously, there was... There's talk that we wanted to bid on him early, earlier in the week. Um, we obviously was part of our academy, so we knew what he was about. Um, Richmond obviously bid on air, so maybe there was a little bit of uh, getting back at Richmond for that. Yeah, I think um, there might have been a few games, a few games getting played there. <clears throat> but well. I think um, he was worthy player to bid on. Um, again, haven't lost Fantasia. We were in need of a bit of a. Small forwards, so that's someone he can, especially someone like uh, Irving Mosquito being injured as well, is kind of another player we can get. So Richmond matched that, and then uh, after that, I think we we passed on the pick, so we didn't actually take anyone at that pick. Yeah, which I think surprised us a bit because uh, maybe it makes a bit more sense now, but I think we thought that we would either bid on one of our own academy players that was left, or have a go at someone else because there was still a few players left in the draft who might have been. 
might have been pretty handy. So I think, were you surprised that we didn't take anyone at that pick? I mean, it probably makes a bit more sense now with the maybe the points and things like that. But um, I was a little bit surprised that we didn't take anyone. Yeah, I, I was surprised too. We'll talk about uh, the guy who we think we would have taken who was our academy player just a bit later in. But I thought we'd either look to get a player from somewhere else, like they've done, try to get a half-back or a small forward. Or if those things didn't happen, we'd just take our own player and then we could just end the draft there. Um, I think maybe they were thinking that... So it's, I'll say the name, Cody Brand, who's our NGA player, thinking maybe that he might get through to the rookie draft. Yeah, uh, which I think... So the two academy players... Cody Brand and Josh Hare, I think going into the draft, me and you probably had them the other way around. We thought that we thought that based on based on the twenty nineteen year that they both had, that Cody Brand might have attracted a pick, uh, sorry, a bid earlier in the draft, and that maybe Josh Hare was the guy who would slip through to the rookie draft. It ended up sort of working almost in the reverse. But um, I think at that stage, the club, Dodoro and the club, were probably thinking that Brand, Cody Brand, might slip to the rookie draft, and it didn't happen because the Western Bulldogs put a bid on him. Um, at pick fifty three, so we then had the, we then had the decision to make on whether or not the club would match the bid and take him, or whether we'd let him go to, yeah. to the Bulldogs. So just quickly on Brand, one hundred ninety six centimeter, eighty seven kilo key defender from the Calder Cannons, um, Vic Metro side as well. He's played in. So, but the best way I can describe him in a few words is just old fashioned key defender, yeah. lockdown punch, beat your man. Uh, you know, nothing too flashy, but that doesn't matter because it's just reliable. Yeah. So I think that's probably why we why we're thinking that he's probably more proven as a as a player, right? Because he's an inside fifty guy. He's gonna play he's gonna play full back, he's gonna play on the opposition's defender, he's gonna punch, spoil, beat them. Whereas someone like Air, he's just he's more exciting because he's athletic and, you know, does all these things. But that's not to say Cody can't intercept. It's just saying that at the moment, his game's his, his based around... Are, yeah. yeah. And he's played, again, he's played on the Ubel Hagens and guys like that um, that have come through as good key forwards. So he's got some exposure to playing on the best, you know, within his uh, area yeah. and within his age group. So that's a good point. So just on that, so every year on grand final day, they have the under-17 All-Star game. So that's the best kids for the next year's draft. So in that game, I think nine out of the top ten played and Brand was selected to play in that game as well. So he's obviously was highly touted. I know uh, Matt Randell, who's been a recruiter at a number of other clubs, uh, Adelaide, Collingwood, um, he actually rated him as a, as a first-round pick. So it's just about what you look like. So I think... A player comparison we've gone with to someone is like Dylan Grimes from Richmond. And I think Dylan was a pre-season pick when he was drafted. So he was picked picked late like Cody is. And his game was very much about beating his opponent. Spoiling, he's tall, a bit skinny like, like Cody is. And as over the years have developed, he's added that more intercept. He's added the marking. He's added the ability to play on different types of players. And now he's probably, along with Harris Andrews, the best key defender in the competition. So. Yeah, and once those those guys, there's sort of a bit of a theme that they do that they cement themselves in the side, and then then that's it. They're locked in. And, yeah, yeah. So you know, I think this is something everybody knows. But 
when you pick kids, you're not picking on what they are right now. It's what they can develop into. And, you know, I think Cody's a type of guy that we're going to see some progression over the years, especially we talked about Jones and Air forming a partnership. Maybe Cody and Zach Reed can form the key defensive partnership going into the future. And although this doesn't, um, although this doesn't really impact much or or uh, contribute to much, just a nice little fun fact, I guess, is that Cody Brand, like Josh Air, both grew up Essendon Academy players, both grew up Essendon supporters. So a little bit of a fairy tale element to yeah. to him getting to the club. However, the thing that I didn't really enjoy watching as much is that when the bid come on him, we didn't match it straight away. And I think both me and you watching the the uh, telecast at the time were maybe a bit worried that they were going to let him go um, because maybe they were trying to keep that list position for something to do in the rookie draft or the pre-season draft next year, or, uh, sorry, the, the mid-season draft next year or something to that to that kind of nature. So I think me and you were probably a bit nervous when they were choosing whether or not to match the bid or not and it seemed to take a long time and the body language didn't look great <laughs> from Dodoro, which... We we spoke it was after. Late, was late in the evening though. It was. Yeah. We were, about, we were about fifteen hours deep by by then. It was a long draft. I think I listened to. I think it was on, was on RSN. He did an interview, um, interview there, and he talked. Brand, Brand or Dodoro? Uh, Dodoro. Dodoro. And they were talking about, about that and why, he didn't do it, and he was just you know, and he was saying, look, Cody was a guy they rate, but they'd just taken. Cox, Reed, Air, you know, so it was it was three guys who are one ninety nine or above. Yeah. So I think they were a bit worried about maybe do we take another really tall key position player, especially when they were kind of like they try to get Walker, who was a medium defender, Rioli, kind of a different type of player. So I think that's what it was. I think it was the debate was whether we take him, or we don't take him, based not upon his talent. Just based upon we got, what they'd already done. Yeah, have we got too many of that type of player already now? But I think the consensus, the door I said, the consensus was he's too good of a player to not to go. take, yeah. especially after we've we know what he's like, we know what his character's like, we know he can, he's going to be able to fill a role. Like I said, he's very competitive. He's going to he's a bit different to Reed and Cox, who are really that kind of more new age defender who can kick and distribute and do all these type of things. He's more, he's going to play on his man, he's going to beat his man. And I know this is something we've talked about a while. From a fullback, you know, that's all you want. You know, yeah. if, if, if this is going to be the guy that's going to play on the full forward and he's going to beat him. You know, I don't, you don't need him having, you know, 15, 20 touches. If you've got someone with that reliability in your side, that's, that's a pretty nice, it's a pretty thing nice comforting thing to have. Yeah. Yeah. So that probably wraps up the national draft uh, in terms of what, what the club took. The pre-season draft, we can go through this one pretty quickly because we had one selection available um, due to having one more spot on our senior list. Um, and anyone who's taken in the pre-season draft automatically goes onto your senior list, not onto a rookie spot, so they take up a permanent senior list spot. Uh, so we had, the, we had the one selection that we could have made um, in that pre-season draft and we chose to pass and not make a selection which I don't think was any great surprise. That that preseason draft, only one club actually made a selection, which was Adelaide choosing um, Hatley, which was kind of already a pre-done deal due to the, you know, the falling out with Hatley and GWS and him just saying, oh, "I'm going to walk to the draft." Um, so 
I don't think that was any great surprise. Preseason draft was done and dusted. And and uh, was there anything else to really add to that? No, I think I think the preseason draft, maybe ten fifteen years ago, it was something that was used a lot more. But I think the introduction of free agency, and particularly delisted free agency, has really meant that guys that were on the system they couldn't get picked up to the national draft. They would go to the preseason draft and they'd get picked up there. But because you, you can just go, oh, this guy's being delisted. We can just pick him up straight away and put him on the list. There's no, it's kind of a, it's a remnant from a previous year. So I wouldn't be surprised in the next three to five years if the preseason draft gets phased out. Um, so, I, you know, there's only one pick this year you mentioned, Haightley. I think last year it was only a couple picks like Benell and... Jack Martin. Martin yeah. So I think it's kind of like those things where a deal can't get done. So there's there's an opportunity, there's an opportunity or, for or an them option there for the player to walk to the preseason draft yeah. and, and find their way to where they want to go. Um, so that's the preseason draft done. The rookie draft again, there was no huge surprises. So we had three list spots available on the on the on our lists that we could put put rookies onto. Um, we had already made, or the Essendon Football Club had already made. Uh, had made commitments, I guess, to a couple of players that we had delisted in the week or two prior, which was Marty Gleeson and Dylan Clark. So they're players that obviously everyone who's probably following Essendon in this podcast is familiar with. Um, so we'd already made commitments to retake them. Clark actually still had a contract anyway. Um, so we they knew that they were going to be re-rookied or that was at least what they were what they were committed to yeah, by the and, club. Uh, and Marty had uh, met a trigger in his contract, which means... You got another he year. got another year. Yep. So, so we, we took those guys in the rookie draft at, at uh, round one. We took we took Gleeson first um, with pick six, and round two we took Clark next with pick 21. So maybe if we just recap on those two guys, just as a bit of a refresher on um, what types of players they are and, and their kind of stats. So... Marty Gleeson, 26 years old, so he's still in that good window of uh, where he should be sort of right hitting his straps now and in his prime. 191 centimetres, I think probably comes across a bit shorter on TV because he's so skinny, but um, he's at decent height, uh, 86 kilos. Uh, he's played 91 games, so he's played all, all for Essendon, so he's played quite a few games. And in this year, in 2020, he played 13 out of a possible 17 games, so that's pretty pretty good going um you know his confidence might not have been there 100 percent, but that that wasn't bad yeah so just on marty i think two three years ago we were both very very excited about marty he took a big step he has kind of that third fourth tour who he's marking above his head was really good he had that terrible ankle injury that's really cost him two it years of football in, uh, colac i think a, a practice game against geelong yeah memory. it was really really nasty there and in that time, you know, someone like Jordan Ridley's come in. He's obviously one of the best and fairest, but it's kind of taken that role. But, um, but Marty's obviously played, you know, like I said, 13 from 17 games this year. So that's a, that's a fair bit of football. He's very versatile, right? I think we all remember, he's mentioned about him being skinny, that mark on the goal line against Sydney with Gary Rowan. But I think his role now is to play as more of a general defender. Use his pace. Use his, he's a very, very smart player. He cuts the angles well. He spoils a good kick. I am a fan of Marty, uh, unabashed. I'd have him 
in or around the edges of the 22 and um, I'm really happy that we've committed to keeping him. Yeah, I think same here. I think it's good that he gets another go um, and hopefully he, he's the sort of guy who's going to apply himself. I get the impression that he's the sort of guy who works hard so um, he'll be back. He'll have a good pre-season and, and launch into it and hopefully have a good year in 2021. So maybe I'll let you go through uh, maybe some similar stats for Dylan Clark, which is a bit of a refresher for the listeners. Yeah, no worries. So Dylan's uh, 22. He's 187 centimetres and 87 kilos. I was a bit surprised. I thought he was a little bit a bit bigger than that. He certainly plays taller. He plays that really big, strong player. Um, he's played 20 career games, and this year he played eight out of a possible 17. This year, to my eye, I don't know about you, he kind of played a bit more forward, especially late in the year. I know in previous years, we've seen him, obviously he did that job on Paddy Cripps as a tagger in the middle, and a lot of his work's been kind of that inside grunt player, maybe doing a bit of tagging. But I thought he popped up, you know, that he's that guy that has popped out of nowhere, kicked the goal a couple of times this he did. year. I was a bit, when they were playing him this year, because anyone who's watched a bit of VFL knows that Dylan Clark plays in the middle in VFL and racks up a lot of possessions in and under, firing out handballs. Um, that's very much his role there and accumulates a lot of possessions and feeds the ball to other players. Uh, and he's very good at that role at VFL level. When he came into the AFL side for the games he played this year, there wasn't really an opening for him to play that position. So they played him sort of, you know, a little bit in the forward line, a little bit in the back line. And I felt a bit worried that he might, you know, other players in our team who have not been played in position have sort of probably gone missing a little bit. But I feel like Clark really took the opportunity and actually he fulfilled the roles he had to play. I couldn't have faulted how he played them. Like you said, he popped up, kicked a couple of goals. There were some really good sort of intercept marks that he come come across and saved the day a few times when he played in the back line. Um, still laid his tackles and, and worked hard. So I don't think we could have asked for any more out of Dylan Clark. And I think all... All we can hope is that he gets a bit of an opportunity to show his worth and and have a crack at where his best footy is and I th- hopefully gets a show it. I think that you're correct there. I think he's kind of a guy that's very diligent. He kind of have a, a defensive first mindset, which is important to have. But um, I think his best position is as a midfielder. Uh, but a, our midfield is quite strong at the moment. But... I think I would like to see him get a game because he's a point of difference in the midfield, as in he's a bit bigger, he has that defensive mindset, he can be the guy at the bottom of the pack, can do a bit of tagging. We've kind of, in the in the past, maybe under the Warsfold era, we've kind of moved away from the tagger. Before that, Heath Hocking, it was a guy kind of maybe a bit similar the, to Dylan Clark, was that bigger body who could kind of bash, crash, play a few roles here, there, and everywhere, did a bit of tagging. He was a guy that you and I, you know, both both loved. Um, real Essendon person there. Uh, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, look, he's got a year. Hopefully, he was probably hurt by no VFL this year. He could have gone to the VFL, really proven, played some good games. But I, I hope for him that he gets a good opportunity next year. Yeah, I think that pretty pretty well sums up uh, yeah, what we hope for Dylan. Um, so in the for the rest of the rookie draft, we didn't use our final selection, and I think we'll touch on it briefly. But I think we we've, we've got one more spot left, I guess, on our um, 
on our list and I guess that might be uh, there's probably one player who sort of still to be determined where he falls exactly is Irving Mosquito so he had obviously the ACL injury won't play in 2021 um, I guess me and you have discussed that if there's if there's still the inactive list spot something like that he'll probably go on to, to something like that and then hopefully be able to play again in 2022 and, and earn a new contract um, and we also probably I guess need to be mindful of the mid-season draft uh, next year so I guess we've kept one spot on our list for depending on what happens with the inactive uh, nature of things yeah. and also I guess next year if there's a mid-season draft so I guess they've kind of just left their left their uh, options open yeah so there's the supplementary period which they can take a player so we've got the open spot now and then maybe two if the, the this mozzie inactive list thing happens so if we think there's a guy maybe a a half back or something like that that we can pick up we can. I think they're keeping an eye open on this mid season draft. And I think we touch on it briefly. The strategy is going to be that there's going to be guys that were as seventeen year olds kind of weren't on the radar. And then in their eighteenth year at NAB League level had a really strong year and then came on and you oh yeah this guy's a, a first round pick or he's a guy that's draftable. Those guys didn't get the play, so they're still unknown. You know, so they didn't get drafted. So maybe next year, in those first eight games, there's a, a guy or a couple of guys that they really come on because that's what they would have done naturally. And because they would have nominated this year for the pool, they'll be available. With these preseason picks, we can maybe take a player, maybe a midfielder or something like that. And then all of a sudden, you're getting, you know... A kid, you know, we talked about getting a lot of tools here. Maybe we view the drafters, not only this, but the preseason together. We get the tools and we've got a couple of mids and, you know, that's kind of how we do it. So I think that's maybe the, the right thinking. But... Yeah, that, that mid-season draft next year might be quite strong uh, considering how COVID's kind of pushed everything back. So And considering where, you know, that we might not be that strong of a side performance-wise next year. We potentially might have one of the first six or eight picks, um, I would suggest, in that, in yeah. that draft. So it's uh, not, a bad, not a bad thing to leave that option open. And, and with AFL list sizings being cut, there's lots of players that have been on AFL list that have been cut. They're going to have a chance to go back to state league level and perform and maybe some guys just to kick up that they need and you know, they, they blossom and, you know... So I think I think it's not just us. I think a lot of clubs are going to be eyeing off that mid-season draft as something that um that's going to be a valuable tool. No, definitely. Well, that pretty much wraps up episode three of our draft review. Um, I think myself and Brendan are probably in agreement that we're pretty happy with how we draft. It'll be interesting to see how we add to that in next year's draft, depending on where we finish in another twelve months. But um, I think all in all strong draft that we thought or a good draft uh, that we thought from our end so uh, that does us for this episode keep your eye on the facebook and instagram pages uh and people podcast if you follow along on those for some updates and uh for a notification of when the new episodes get launched so keep your eye on those and uh until next time go dons go bombers